Our guest is Anna Maria Testani, Senior Vice President at National Bank Investments. Our clients want more from us, expect more from us, deserve more from us, especially if they're paying for that service. So I think we're just on a natural journey of that evolution. I think we are a byproduct of, of every, you know, every 10 years, we sit back and go, hmm, we could have done that better. I think yeah. where we're going down the path is just being accelerated because we've democratized information, but we haven't necessarily enabled people how to manage their emotions with all this information. So that's where advice kind of sort of still plays a big part. People like to work with people whom they like. This is the Insight is Capital podcast. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast are those of the individual guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of AdvisorAnalyst.com or of our guests. This broadcast is meant to be for informational purposes only. Nothing discussed in this broadcast is intended to be considered as advice. I, I spent about five five years of my career as a, as a um, wholesaler and uh, advisor facing and when I started this role, I had all the confidence. I thought, you know, I was an advisor, maybe I'll be speaking to my own kind. And, and, you know, and, and then about a week and a half in two weeks, you know, I realized, okay, my, my firm has an agenda. They want me to, you know, to sell, you know, and here's what you need to look at and here's how it works. And this is why you need to have this in your portfolios. And I thought, you know, if I do that, if I do that, I could do that. It's going to be really awkward, you know? Number one, because I'm going to walk in and I don't know them. They don't know me. And, and, you know, so about a week and a half in, because I, I had sort of surmised this, this is going to be incredibly difficult and uncomfortable. And, and I just, I just decided, you know, I am going to go and meet the advisors and I don't care what happens at the meeting. I mean, I don't, I don't care as long as it's positive, right? Yeah. I don't care what happens at the meeting. I'm just going to go and meet them. And, you know, I'm going to see what I can, what we can talk about and, and, you know, find, find the, the, the touch points that we can discuss and, and, you know, and then I'm not going to look for an outcome. I'm going to, I'm just going to make it about, you know, getting to know this. Just going to learn. You win it. Exactly. Exactly. And then, and then, so, you know, I, I started to have a lot of fun with this and I would go and I would meet advisors and we were talking about everything, but what I was supposed to go there and talk about, which was, you know, my, the firm's agenda. And, and, um, at the end of the meeting, so many times, you know, at the end of the meeting was, was, uh, you know, so what did you come to talk about? Cause they knew why I was there. They knew my they, title. They knew what they my, they knew my then, right. At the end of the day, yeah. you're doing, you're there to do business. So it's the last thing I need to talk about. I know why you're in my office. What did you come here for today? I said, that's it. Just want to meet you, chat with you, find out more about you. Yeah, but, it, and, but it's and, the affinity, right? What you're, what you're alluding to is the affinity, the empathy, the compassion. Yeah. People want to work with other people that to which they, they feel good about, they feel great about it, so forth. Um, sometimes people would say, I don't need any of that. Just perform really well and get out. No problem. But then you're living and dying by the sword of that one sword. So the day that yeah. you know, you're not performing to the level of what that person was expecting, there's no recycling of those assets. Those assets are gone. So what I often, like you were saying, the company's agenda, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's a legitimate agenda. We, you know, especially most of us, we're working for a publicly traded company. We have, you know, expectations or stakeholders. We have to produce sales. So I'm not really yeah. opposed to producing sales. I, like I tell everybody, it's the manner in which I get the job done. I exactly. I have to kind of use a stick because I found that 
when I walked in and, and I, to your point, I, I'm, I'm an affinity to listening. I, I love asking a lot of questions. I love finding out what makes you tick, right? And for me, it's always been value-based. You'll definitely, yeah. you said you've walked in. I ask a lot of value-added questions that are, how many value points can I share with you? And also, if you're a family man, I love that because that's, that's, that resonates with me. Uh, if you build a, you know, sustainable model, there's a definity. So all these things, like every time I find a checkpoint to fit it, I don't have to work as hard to sell something. People like to work with people whom they like. So the more I find affinities with that person, the easier to sell. Then it's just an opportunity. Then it becomes, hey, Maria, I have an equity portfolio manager that's not performing well. What do you have that's comparable? Awesome. Thank you for the opportunity. Mm -hmm. Let me give you that research. See, this is, you know, this takes time though. So it does. It, 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 I just wanted to be invited back. I wanted to be Agreed. able to to call that advisor up, that same advisor that I'd already had several initial meetings with and say, you know, have you got 15 minutes? Can I come see you today? Can I come see you next week? Uh, or I'm in your, I'm in your office. Can I, have you got 15 minutes at two o'clock? You know, and, and, and almost always the answer was yes. And almost always the meeting went for the full hour. So I would always book, I would always book my meetings for 15 minutes with an hour, with an hour leeway. Right. And, and, um, eventually it got to where the advisor would say to me, so, you know, let's talk about what you do. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. And it, and, 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 and it how, take five meetings, right? I often say it was people, natural. It doesn't take five or 10 meetings no. to get to that stage. Authenticity, uh, when done well, resonates really quickly. And, and to your point, uh, there's a reciprocity to it, right? People, are, I don't have to talk about reciprocity. It's inherent. People know that if you're there and you're investing the time to be in front of them, there's a reciprocity element to it. What I think people want to do is they want to weed out the, the flybydice, like the, the, the quick in, quick out, not reliable. Something goes wrong. You know, if you have, if you need some help operationally, yeah. those are the people, like they want to weed out all the people that are not there to help their business model beyond the trade. You can prove that relatively quick within your first two meetings. And to your point, that it does become about how can you make this a two-way street? Yeah. And yeah. And I, I, I wish I had like what, I mean, I don't want to make this all about myself, but, but just to put it in the right context, I wish I had known, I wish I had now. done what I, what I did as a wholesaler or what I wound up doing as a wholesaler was, uh, you know, I discovered what we just talked about, which, but, but I wish going back the previous 15 years, I wish I had known that then, you know, I wish I had taken that approach with my clients, with my retail clients. I wish I had taken that approach and with them to, to really, you know, um, exhaust the curiosity process to exhaust the, the process of finding out as much as I could about them. Because in hindsight, I realized, you know, that would have made me invaluable to my clients. Agreed. That would have made that's me. That's one of the beauties, of no. the lack of diversity in our industry. That's yeah. what it allowed, like that's where it gave me an opportunity to shine. Because the industry, to your point, 15, 20 years ago, we weren't training people in this fashion. Right. So because by, I don't fit the model um, and I don't have a similar approach, I wasn't able to be put in that pigeonhole and then curiosity got peaked a lot quicker. And because when I was able to talk, I brought value, I was knowledgeable, I was able to bring, you know, the market intel that they needed, I was able to balance pretty quickly kind of sort of the soft side of the business and the hard side. But remember, I didn't fit the mold. 
today, what we're trying to tell people is that mold that everyone wanted to fit to has to kind of sort of be redone because that mold no longer is applicable. Pros and cons over time, evolution. I think, you know, we democratize the information in our industry. Think about it. In the 60s and 70s, no one had access to nothing. You, you really had to go to, remember the yep. good old fashioned, we used to call the brokers. Um, you wanted any information of whatsoever. The market was such that it was so narrow, you had to go to this person. And when that person spoke, you didn't challenge, you didn't question, you did what that person said. Then the 80s and 90s come into play and we democratize information in our industry. What a game changer. And all of a sudden, people get to ask questions. What you're alluding to is, is the evolution of our clients growing. Our clients want more from us, expect more from us, deserve more from us, especially if they're paying for that service. So I think we're just on a natural journey of that evolution. I think we are a byproduct of, of every, you know, every 10 years we sit back and go, hmm, we could have done that better. I think yeah. where we're going down the path is just being accelerated because we've democratized information, but we haven't necessarily enabled people how to manage their emotions with all this information. So that's where advice kind of sort of still plays a big part. Like, like I'll give you yeah. a question I often train people to say is, if I do my job well, you're happy. What does that look like? People are like, well, I have enough money for my retirement. Okay, no, that's the financial aspect of it. But how about all the behaviorisms that you're expecting from me? What does that look like? What does it feel like? What does it sound like? And people are just like, well, I don't know. Okay, so, you, so we have to work on that. Because if, I don't, if I'm not right. able to understand what your KPI on evaluating my performance in delivering you service, I'm bound to fail. How often do we have those engaging conversations in today's environment? Yeah, good question. <laughs> but that well, I, I think going, right? you know that that question is actually way more profound than than you know it might be understood to be. I think when you can actually get to the place where you can comfortably ask that question, you know, if the client can actually imagine the response to that question can actually visualize it, visualize it and, and, and relate to it. It's a pretty good sign that you've gotten through in terms of, of all the listening time that you've taken, all the discovery time that you've taken to, you know, really get to the heart of what matters to them. And if they don't if, have an answer, well, that's your opportunity to shine yeah. and guide them through that as opposed to telling them. Well, Pierre, in right. that case, you need to see me, I don't know, I'm just going to throw a number out there, three times a year. Uh, and you're dictating your label. You fit in this label. Whereas I tell people, go listen, leadership is about guiding people in, in allowing you to get to your aha moment. And I often say to people, okay, so let's look at touch points. How many times do you want, like, what would feel good for you? What would feel normal? And you literally go down that chain. And you, and I often say, brokers, do you have this, I, sorry, do you have that list of what that SLA looks like? And you, know, let's pre-COVID, how many of them would ever have said to you, our clients are okay to visit us virtually? Zero. That's probably near zero. <laughs> And now, and now we've come, you know, we've slingshotted to the other end, to the other end of the spectrum. 
clients are, I'm comfortable meeting you virtually, provided though that you answer all my questions and that, you know, I feel comfortable with what's being done. See? So we think we know our clients so well that it took a pandemic to teach us we don't know them as well as we do. And, and, well, and- especially, yeah, I mean, it, it's true. I, I think, especially if you haven't, if you, if you didn't go through a process like that from the start, um, you know, but it's never too late, right? I mean, if you still, as, as, like, I, you know, I, I think, you know, maybe I have focused on, on prospective clients a lot in this conversation. Uh, you know, we're always looking for new, 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 you know, new clients, new business, but we can retroactively go back to all of our existing clients and start from scratch and, and, you know, get to those and not, maybe not, you know, publicly say, let's go back to scratch, but, but to just ask those questions again. I I have an exercise that I do with advisors that have been in the business for a long time where, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're definitely going down that thought process and you just said, and I said, okay, you know what? I want to see you back in about three, four months. And I usually, I do this usually in the summer months. And I asked them, I said, okay, take your top 10 or 20% of your clients that you know you're going to see in the next 20, uh, four months. I want you to ask them this. If they had to describe you to someone, what would be the three things they would say about you? I said, and that's all you need to ask. That tells me if there's uniformity in what the clients are saying, then you've done a really good job at, at enunciating your value, getting them to understand your value, and even more importantly, repeating your values to others. You don't have a commonality across your board. Your clients are having more of an internal dialogue with themselves than they are in the room with you. Because everyone will, well, I, that's, here's nice. That's fascinating. That's actually, a, that's a fascinating way to look at it. Um, so to your point, you can go back to square one. Yeah. You can go back to your oldest client yeah. and say, hey, if you had to define me. And by the way, we can do the same thing to an employee, right? If, if you, people say to me, how do I know if I'm going to get promoted? Well, ask around. If they had to define you, ask, you, ask the people that know you. If they had to define you. What would be the adjectives that, or, or the comments that people would use? If you can sense a commonality, then, 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 then you're great. But if not, then you need yep. to rework your narrative. So every time you interact with people, what is it you want them to walk away with remembering of you? So how is our business model different? It's not different. It's the exact same business model. The thing is, we think we know what our clients think of us. And I challenge and I say, no, that's not active listening. That's a label. That's a bias. So how do you back engineer? Make it a summer project. Make it, make it like one of those things. Every time you're about to finish, you know, like the inspector clues are, just one more thing. Yeah, one more thing. <laughs> and it's so simple yeah. and it's so easy. It is uh, not something you want to digitalize and automate away because I think you want to start with the most important clients. Because remember, once you lock them down and you go into the next 20% and you work your way down and you'd be surprised. Some, some people, you might go back and go, hmm, you said this about me. I'm not yeah. sure I understand what that means. Can you help elaborate? Because this information is important for me, Pierre. I'm currently working on a new model to better service my clients. So the more I understand what your expectations are, the better I can guide my team. Look at my reframe. Look at my reframe. 
That's the beauty yeah. of our business. That's where I think our business model is growing. It's less about my ego and me and, sh- and showmanship. And it's just more about understanding who you're catering to and what's important to them. And your job is to deliver on what's important to them. Pretty easy. Yeah. And, and two things come to mind. Number one, this is something that, that no competing, you know, robo-advisor or, or fintech could possibly reproduce, number one. Uh, so so it's, it's, a very, it's a very competitive strategy in the sense that, that you do uh, re, reassess, you do cause a reassessment of your value in that dialogue. The other thing that I like about it, the second thing that, that I think is amazing about this is that you can take this same knowledge, the same skill set. And I, mean, I don't know if you want to call it a skill set, but it is a skill set. I, I think if you, you can take it and you can apply it to your whole life. You can take it and apply it to all of your relationships um, and find out about people that have been in your life, things you never knew about them. You know, it's really universal. It's a really a universal approach, a, a life hack in a way, like it's a way of, of really. Hey, I did it on my kids. I asked my making, kids, I said, you yeah. had to define mommy. What is it like about mommy? Yeah. And you got to understand, you may not get the answers you want. Um, so that's another thing where, you know, you have to learn to take that feedback and, you know, and you start with your kids, your kids are like, oh, you can cook. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, but eventually though, as you have, and you can do this with your friends, you can do it with your spouse. And it, you know, it's funny, it opens a conversation where you might think, oh, you're being narcissistic because you're talking about yourself. Oh, the way I reframe it is I'm really curious to see what's important in your mind, what I can deliver to you. And, and if I don't like what's important to that, or that you like of what I do with you, well, that's my opportunity to say, hmm. Maybe you're enabling that and reify your behaviorism, how you have comments, my lack of comments, or whatever the case is. Then I'm getting feedback in the most constructive possible way without it being judgmental. You could apply this, these theories. Yeah. Remember, neuroscience and, and psychology and all these things were kept out of our industry because we thought it was just a number state, right? Risk. What's your risk level? And I'll tell you what your return should be. We're, you know, we're, patty cake. we're so happy with her. Yeah. I sit there going, oh my God, that's like a 1960s model. Today, you have to take into the psychology of the person which you're doing business with. So people that are studying all these things beyond the numbers will succeed faster. And the questions that like, I'm challenging you and, 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 and all the audience is, is to say, you know what you know, but now let's start working what we don't know and what we kind of sort of thought wasn't important now is becoming important. And that's the funny thing about this business too, isn't it? About the investment or about market I, I, financial. I, trainer, I would never trade our business for anything else. It's, I feel, I, I find that we're at the infancy stage of our evolution. Uh, it's becoming interesting. I think we're more than what we were led to believe. And, and, you know, many times people are afraid of robo advisors. It's like, no, robo advisors are just doing the part that's easy. You know, they're, they've commoditized the, the right. little bit part of our business model that's, that's easy. It's the other stuff that's pretty hard. And, and to your question, people often say, well, can I just ask all those questions digitally? Well, it's like saying I should self-medicate myself based on the questions that, you know, you put on a website. I'm like, well, I'm not sure we're there yet. Um, and even if you ask, 
some of these very difficult questions. How do you ensure that I properly understood it? So let's not underestimate that back and forth dialogue. And I find, you know, again, can that be digitalized? For sure. Everything at the, way, at the rate that we're going, everything will and can be digitalized for a price. See, the thing is, it's not going to get cheaper. Like we've hit pretty much where we're at now. Anything you want more has a certain cost to it. Um, but, but I definitely think that with all the moving parts that's, that's happening in our business model, the uncharted frontier is the psychology of it. It's, it's, and it's not psychology of, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a therapist, like sit on my couch. And we do part of that, but it's really going into, tell me what's really important to you because I'm not sure you even know what's important to you versus what you're telling me. You're telling me you're okay, but I, I'd like to challenge that. I don't think you are okay. And then you start defining that. See, we've not learned that at school. Okay. Well, teach that at school. And, and, and do you find like it's even more difficult today than, than, than in the last 20 or 30 years? Do you find like, like the, the, the next generations, the millennials and the Gen X, I mean, not the Gen X, but the millennials and the Gen Z, are ha, have really been sort of grown up in this world of devices of of iPads and iPhones and and mobile you know everything's digital and 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 they've become less even to them to, you know among themselves less sociable and so so is that is that is that partly what goes to I, asking the question you know can I can I why can't I just ask all these questions digitally I think it's a, it's, it's a very sensitive topic. So I would definitely yeah. say to you that the uh, access to all forms of information, of all its channels, puts a lot of pressure on anyone, not just, you know, specific. So I will give you one example. I find that today we are afraid to talk because this generation, everything, every word has triple meanings. And, and so all of a sudden now, we're afraid to have engaging conversations. Like I love to have conversations with my, with my children. And a lot of times they go, well, you know, well, you can't see certain things. I said, yes, I can. It's in the context mm -hmm. and it's the manner in which I say it. And it's the respect that I bring to that conversation. Don't lock me just because I've used certain words, lock me in a category. So the biases are, are more prevalent than ever. Uh, the parent, you know, I, I call it the productivity paradox. You would think with all the technology coming out, we'd have way more productivity. I can tell you productivity is up when Facebook is down. So, you know, somebody would say, <laughs> I find that there are more distractions today. Um, there's more of a psychological and mental game today that we didn't have 20 years ago. I can just talk for myself. 20 years ago, I had more of what was the physical element. So I had to manage going to work, working nine to five, bring the kids to the dentist, coming home, cooking, like doing all these things. If I missed the call, remember the good old days, you actually had to go to the office and do the call from there. So yeah. 20 years ago, we had the physical element of the drain of our business. Today, I can do my business from anywhere. Yeah. I have flexibility, but I also never turn off. So... Yeah, we've improved yeah. technology. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah, so technology has allowed us to be agile and flexible. But I often say the thing with technology, it's a double-edged sword. It brings you a, a perk, but it comes at a cost. And I think the cost today is, uh, you're right, we have attention deficit. We don't tend to listen. Uh, or if, if the answer's too long, or if it doesn't fit into, you know, what is it, 
the 150 bytes or whatever, whatever I forget all the terminologies. Done for it. Well, yeah. you're old. It, it's no good. And <laughs> then you can't say certain things. You have yeah. to have it. So I find yeah. we got a lot of perks of, of digitalization optimization. But man, we've suffered. To your point, the psychology of our business model got heavy. Got way, way heavier. Yeah, you know, uh, well, that, that really that really magnifies the value of 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 active listening. Mm-hmm. To your point, which is well, that for sure, because yeah. if I ask you, "Are you okay?" and you give me a thumbs up, is that an answer? <laughs> no, there's, there's so much ambiguity. I mean, you, you know, it it. I mean, it really does beg the question. So then I have to reform my question and I have to think about my question and then I have to say, so there's an element of difficulty for sure that technology uh, brings to the table. But again, for every bad, there's a good. And and what I say to people, like it's the same thing like portfolio management. We, we, we talked about this before you and I. Yes, portfolio management has been a great advancement. You know, regulators have allowed us to do a lot of things. If you sign up for this, it allows you to do all your trading in one shot. That is a benefit to the business. The problem is most of us used to only talk to our clients for, for that trade. So now that you've removed having to speak to a client for that trade, there's a vacuum of, that you're no longer fulfilling in touch points. You've got to figure out why you want to call your client. Yeah. What's your service level agreement? All right. Like I often say to people, yeah. you know, when you're updating someone, you have to find a way to also exp- express to them the work that you've done. You know, one of the ideas I've worked with an advisor was because um, he was worried that, about his pricing model. I said, okay, but if you've had to explain what is the work behind your pricing model? So an example, the prep work before every meeting. He goes, oh my God, I spent about an hour yeah. prepping because, you know, he, he dealt with certain influence clients. I'm like, whatever, it's fine. The hour after your meeting, you have to also take the information, dispatch certain things, right? Then the analysis, like I said, just start marking down all the number of hours that you do. Yeah. And I said, when you send them, because you, as you all know, we have transparency in our fee structure, clients get that fee. Well, if they get the fee, you got to give them also the amount of hours that you work on their account. Because then when they divide the fee by the number of hours, they're going to realize that you are way cheaper than an accountant and way cheaper than a lawyer. Yeah. So why are we... That's a terrific way to put it, but... Absolutely. So... so to your point, it's not fair to expect people to know all the heavy lifting that we do behind the scenes. We're, we're great showmen, right? Remember, I told you the 80s and 90s, they taught us to be great showmen. So people think that we were born like this. It's so easy. And it takes just five minutes. Yeah. Done. No. Every client on average requires, and I'm going to throw a number out there. It could be 20, 30, 40, 50 hours. And by the way, your time, your assistance time, this time, all that. If you don't have an accountability system where you're shooting them, by the way, when I, when you sign on with me, this is the work that gets done behind you. To your point, I don't have an off button. So every time there's changes, there's something going on in the world, the governments or this or that, I just want you to know, I'm going to come back in on Monday and be thinking, okay, I got to find a way to implement this. So that time of constantly working, it's exhausting on me, but I chose this business. So, you know, Kudos for me. I can change the business model. To your point, change the bit. You can leave the market. Yep. But I don't think we've done a good job to showcase the professionalism of our industry. People have a hard time tagging us as professionals. 
And I'm going, but we, like, yeah, we just have a different academic environment than, let's say, a lawyer or an accountant. But our academic regime is just as demanding as theirs. Ours is over time. But have yeah, yeah it's compounding knowledge. Yeah. But have we ever done a really good job to showing to people? Is it partially? I mean, some of it is that is that we don't want to come off as though we're complaining. Agree. That we're that we're you know bitching about the amount of work, right? And and you have to be matter of factly to say to when you're talking about your value Mm -hmm. is to say, look, we spent you know like just for this meeting today, for example, I spent an hour and a half, two hours before the meeting, getting ready. I've invested. Uh, after after you spend. leave. I didn't spend. I, I love invested. that. I mean, I've invested. Yeah, I invested. Hours. Yeah. Making sure that your portfolio is currently aligned to all the latest market changes that have happened, whatever regulatory changes have happened, whatever governmental changes, have happened, whatever personal changes you had told me to take into yeah. account. Just want you to be aware of that, you know, I feel comfortable today with all this work being done. Pierre, you're on the right path. There's a way to talk without it yes. as narcissistic. Again, we don't teach communication skills in school. We expect you to, to have that when you have your first job, and many of us fail. It's only through talk well, that we get better. If I knew how to communicate the way I communicate today, 20 years ago, <laughs> oh my God, the pitfalls I could avoid it. You know, uh, you know, I often have yeah. conversations. Are you aware? As opposed to, did you know? When we're young, we always start with, did you know? Now it's like, are you aware how much time it took for me to do this? No, okay. This is what it required. You know, and and, and this is something that, again, goes beyond our business model. I'm not sure we're great communicators in a lot of things. Like, same thing when I talk to my my children sometimes, and I'd say they'll they'll call me up to go pick them up or or drop off something because they forgot. And I'll say, you know, are you aware I, I was actually in the middle of doing something else? I love you yeah. and I'll come and do it for you, but you need to be aware. Mommy had to make a decision and I opted. This is what I decided for because this is what goes with my values, but it's going to come at a price. I now have to work later tonight or I have to pick it up later. I just want you to be aware. I don't want you to judge me tonight because I'll be working, but you kind of sort of made me change my whole day around because you wanted me to do something. Yeah. Whereas the old me would have been like, what are you going to add? You're not supporting me. I'm working late at night. Like I'm doing this for you. That's not proper educational conversations. I think we do the same in our industry. I don't think clients understand the amount of depthness that is required for every conversation to be fruitful that comes with that interaction. Yeah. And it's, it's cultivated and it takes years. And, Great. you know, but you're making me remember the uh, the saying that you know people know the price of everything and the value of nothing. Hundred percent um, right, absolutely great expression. So again, is portfolio management the issue? No, that's not that's not the problem. That's that's just a tool that allows you to do your job better, more efficiently, maybe even uh, you know at a greater cost. But you need to self-regulate yourself and bring rebuild your business model and say, okay, well, now that I'm no longer calling them for this, I got to find other reasons to call them. Thus, your value. What's your value proposition? Why should you call someone every two, three months? I love when people say, well, nothing's happened in the market. So why should I call? Um, 
<laughs> something may happen to them. They may have a change in their life. I love, you know, I love government because they always change something once or twice a year, the tax bill. So I'm like, hey, you can call just for that alone and say, hey, you know what? I evaluated what they brought out. A little change to you, but I just want you to know. Oh, wow. Thanks for the call. Yeah. You're looking out for me. So again, how do you define service? If you go back 20 years ago, it was very transactional. Today, it has to go more than that. But to your point, I have a hard time being mean to technology because it does allow you to have a lot of parts. What I find is difficult is the discipline I now need to apply that I didn't have to apply before because I used to do a job in nine to five. I used to do it physically. I used to do it at the office. So it's a give and take. I don't think Gen Xer, uh, sorry, to your point, and uh, uh, Gen Zers or millennials, they'll face the same challenges, a little different than we've had. Um, every, every, every generation says it's harder for them. Every generation says, oh my gosh, look at what we have. It's, it's like a rut. We've been doing this for thousands of years. I think we just need to be aware that the moment you stop learning, the moment you stop evolving, the moment you stop listening to what else could, could, could make you better, that's when you're on the game. Takeaways. What's your, what is your key takeaway for, or key takeaways for uh, retraining our lizard brains uh, away from the unconscious biases? Status quo is not an option. Always be learning. Get the feedback, no matter how hurtful it can be and know that there's a place for your evolution in this market. Yeah, it's as simple as that. It's, it's pretty yeah. status quo. I start my day with status quo is not an option. So you have to shut anyone that knows me knows that I will transform my day. Don't know how, don't know why, don't know where. I just know that I will go to bed having transformed something. That's number one. Number two, always be learning. Can be open to that. I have because yes. I've met a lot of people in life that like to tell me, "Let me tell you why, why I'm right." I don't think it's not that you're right. It's that it's not right for me. So always be learning, always be adapting. You know, um, easier said than done. But once you've trained yourself for that, I think honestly you can succeed in our business quite successful with less resources. Less effort, uh, you know, less cost to whatever business model you're running. I think you can really stand apart. So, one final question. Um, <laughs> I'm draining it. If if you could be someone you think is famous for a day, who would that be? Uh, you know. There, there, there's quite a few people, um, you know, I'd love to go back and in, in time and, and be part of some of these resilient women, uh, that I, you know, when you, when you look at Miss Jackson for like a, the NASA, like experiences, these are highly intelligent people that could have even by themselves won the argument of being right, but they were pigeonholed. Their resiliency of never losing face their values, staying, staying honest and integral to who they are, but yet bringing the marathon. I don't necessarily want to be them, but I would have loved to have been a student in their classroom. 
uh, I don't think I aspire to be anyone other than the best of who I can really be. Mm -hmm. But what I want in life is, is to be given that classroom opportunity to learn from others. And, you know, and, and I love history. I'm a history buff. I'll go back in time. Um, you know, there's an, uh, there's another great lady in Canada. She's, uh, we follow Dr. Giraffe. This is another lady that has, that has, right. through adversity, I think her, her name is uh, Anna Harris, I think. Uh, I have a memory block. But when I hear her talk, I learn. I learn that, you know, my problems thanks to hers are no different. But how she overcame them, how she stayed true to herself, how she didn't become miserable. These are things that I would say to you, you know, an inquisitive mind is, is probably the most powerful thing uh, that we have. I wish we had more of that in our industry. Um, and that's what I, I aspire to. I aspire to be a student for the rest of my life. I, I don't necessarily think I'll ever be the greatest teacher because I'll constantly be learning from others and I want to constantly learn from others. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for, uh, for sharing that. 